Hey, oh, let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 4, yeah? Try to, try to uh, pick it up where we left off. Matthew chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus. Y'all remember we started that last week, and, and temptation is something that we all face, and Jesus was facing temptation and, and uh, giving us an example of how to deal with it, what to do, how to face it. We all face it. But the key verse again, no temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You should know where that is. You should know be able to find it. Because sin is all around us, is it not? Anybody remember the three battlefronts that we face? What are the three battlefronts? The world of flesh and the devil. And she wasn't even here last week. Let's all welcome Cynthia back, by the way. Thank you. Cynthia's here. She's uh, my prompter. She helps me out every week. Thank you. You know, the, the things that we face, the world and the flesh and the devil, they're all around us. Uh, and, and we're facing temptation of all different kinds, all different facets of temptation, pulling us away, pulling us in different directions. It's not just, you know, one kind of sin. It's all different kinds of things that we're facing. Let's, you know, let's be on our guard. Let's watch out. Jesus, on the other hand, you know, he could have just blown Satan away there, but he, 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 he faced him, and he faced him in a way that you and I can face him and the temptations and the tests that we face as well, uh, following the example of Jesus. The first thing we see there is that he used the Scripture, isn't it? He used the Scripture. He knew that you know, that we would need to, to have the scripture and he used the scripture and, and he quoted the scripture to the enemy. But, but as I said last week, it isn't just about quoting scripture, is it? It isn't just about, you know, you memorize a verse and then you just quote it back. It's, it's much more than that, right? It's believing it. It's living by it. It's, it's having it be a part of who we are and, and a part of our very makeup, our very nature. That's what's going to give us the strength to fight temptation, to fight the battles in this life. Not just quoting a scripture, not just, you know, having a cross around our neck. And you know there are people that think like that, right? If you just wear a cross, you're going to be safe. If you put a cross up on the wall in your house, you're going to be safe. You know, if you go like this, you're going to be safe. It's what's in here. It's the faith in, in our hearts and our minds. The faith in the, in the Word of God and knowing the Scripture. And, and Jesus knew the Scripture and He quotes out of the book of Deuteronomy three times in this, in this particular uh, uh, time of testing. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was tempted to, to satisfy his flesh outside of God's plan. Just go outside of God's plan. Just do it. It's okay. You're by yourself. You're alone. He was tempted to do that, but he said, you know what, what's most important is God's word, God's plan, God's will, God's timing. Every word that comes from the mouth of God, not that comes from the mouth of the enemy. Numbers, uh, excuse me, number two temptation. Let's look at verse five. Pick it up where we left off. It says, then, it says, then the devil took him, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. 
If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The devil took him to this high point. We talked last week a little bit about, you know, we have the high points in our lives and the low points, and, and we have to be careful. When we get low, we get tired, we're more susceptible, more vulnerable. When we get up to the high point, we better watch out, we could come crashing down. He, he took him to this place in the holy city, Jerusalem, on the highest point of the temple, kind of, you know, the peak of spirituality, maybe, you might think. You know, this hyper-spirituality, you know, you're, you're going to be safe up there and you can kind of do whatever you want. And he says, if you are the Son of God, again, he, he wasn't c- confused about who Jesus was. He knew. So he says, since you are the Son of God, that's who you are, just go ahead and throw yourself down. And then notice, look what he does. He quotes what? He quotes Scripture. The enemy, the devil, actually quotes Scripture to Jesus Christ. You go, Wow. I thought it was just us quoting Scripture. No, as I said, it's not. Does the enemy live by the Scripture and believe the Scripture? No, of course not. But he can quote it, and he can twist it, and he left out little parts, and he can misapply it and take Scripture out of context. The enemy wants Jesus now to test his Father's protection. He wants him to put God to the test, and that's not a very good idea, is it? Putting God to the test. This is kind of like backwards, isn't it? We, we've, we say that, where do we, who tests us? God puts us to the test, right? God tests our hearts. Not, we don't test Him. That's just backwards. However, however, there is one exception that I know of. Only one exception that I know. Does anybody know what that is? Tithing. Cynthia got it first again. Congratulations, give her an extra donut. In the book of Malachi, it talks about tithes and offerings, right? Oh, no, he's going to talk about money again. No, Norman did that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> but we're not to put the Lord to the test, but, but it says there in that passage, and I looked at it again this morning, you know, he says, you're robbing God. He says, you're robbing me. And he says, how? He says, in tithes and offerings. He says, what are you talking about? He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And he says, test me. He says, test me, prove me in this if I will not take care of you, if I will not open the, the very you know, heavens and, and, and rain down upon you and provide for you and take care of you. That's the only, that's the only exception that I know of this, of not putting God to the test. I think it's an important thing, though, and I, and I can say from personal experience that, that, that you know, I, you know, to give faithfully, to give consistently, to make that a part of your lives. I've seen, you know, when it, even when it does not add up, and I, and I got this mathematical thing in, in, my, in my head, you know, I was, I don't know what it is, I'm just, you know, I was with someone the other day, and I said, I got to figure this out. I was with Alex, I think, we were talking about the, the, um, the, the formula of the paint. By the way, do you like the, the paint? Does it look all right? We got carpet coming next soon. We got a few more jobs before that, but, but, but this idea of the formula and, and, the, and the, the thing, and, and I know when things don't add up, and I know in our lives, you know, raising four kids, and we've been through a lot of different things, it just doesn't add up. But I can say without a shadow of doubt that we have been, we, we have put the Lord to the test in this area, and He has overwhelmingly provided for us, 
overwhelmingly over and over through the years. We have never gone without. We have never been without. It's, you know, people say, well, I don't have enough money to give to the Lord. I don't have enough money to, 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 uh, to be a part of that. Well, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Test the Lord, he says. That's a little extra sermon. I threw that in there because, because it kind of ties in with this. So, so Jesus answers again. Now he answers the enemy, and the enemy's quoting Scripture to him. Look at, at verse 7. Jesus answered him. He says, It is also written, Do not put your, uh, the Lord your God to the test. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. He says it's written. He says it's also written. Notice that. That's an important, important word because he says, yeah, you can quote Scripture, but, but you have to look at all the Scripture. Yeah, the Scripture does say those things that the enemy quoted, but he says it's also written. And again, looking at you know, the Bible in its whole is that you should not put the Lord your God to the test. And this, and this is exactly what he was asking the enemy to do. Put the Lord to the test. Look at all the scripture, not just an isolated uh, text. You know, there, there is a scripture. How many of you know where it is that says, if you take this verse out of, out, of, out of its context, it proves the fact that there is no God. The Bible says there is no God. How many of you know where that is? Anybody? I'm not sure I remember either. No, I think it's Psalm 14. There's a verse in there that says, there is no God. You can take that part of the verse or whatever. But if you read the rest of the verse, what does the rest of the verse say? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. See how you can take something out of context and make it mean, you know, a completely different thing. The enemy can take scripture out of context. You need to know the word of God. That's why we teach it. That's why we believe it. That's why we look at it. We don't, you know, build our lives on fairy tales, but upon the, the, the solid Scripture, the solid Word of God. He was tempted to test the Lord and test the Lord's faithfulness, the Lord's care, the Lord's provision. But I found, and I wrote this down, is that what we're called to do is trust Him, not test Him. Trust Him. Over and over in this life. I find it over and over again. I wake up in the middle of the night. I, I read God's word and, and, and I'm reading in the Psalms. I think I've said that. And, and the, um, over and over again, God says I, he wants us to trust him. Not test him. He wants us to trust him. Trust me, he says. I know what's going on. I know what's going on in your life. I know what's happening. I know what's happening in your job or no job. I know what's going on in your family or no family. I know what's going on in the world around you. I know what's going on, but you need to trust me. Don't trust in the circumstances. Don't lean on your own understanding, Proverbs says, right? Anybody know where that is? Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will... Direct your paths or make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust me, he says. Do you trust him? That's what I need to do, and, and it's, it's no different for any one of us. He asks us, whether it's in the day or in the middle of the night or whenever it is, will you trust me? Can you trust me? Satan, you know, was sitting there saying, you know, you can't really trust him. Or maybe he's kind of like put the Lord to the test to see if you can trust him. 
go ahead and jump off. And, you know, he says he's going to grab you up. But God just says, just trust me. Just trust me. Don't go down some foolish path. Don't go trying this thing and that thing, trying to make something happen. Trust me, he says. Verse 8, the very last temptation in this section here, it says, again, again. Oh, notice that, again. Again and again and again, three times here, but it wasn't the last time, no. He says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. He showed him all these kingdoms of the world. And, and was it in a vision? Obviously, there isn't one place you can go and like see the whole planet and everything. But, but you know, so it kind of shows you there's some, there is some power that the enemy has. And, and he gives kind of a vision of, of these, you know, the, 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 the temptation of power. The question is, could he? Could he do what he says he could do? He says, all this I will give you. Could he give him those things, do you think? Yeah, he could. To a certain degree, for a certain time. He's called the prince of this world. He's called the god of this age. And John, the apostle, says the whole world was under the control of the evil one. He's got some power. He's got some connections in this world. And, and we'd be foolish to think that he isn't kind of somehow involved in, in some of the things that are going on in our world today. I don't like to give him any more credit than is due, to be honest with you. I was involved many, many years ago with this group. And, and you know, it was, uh, you know, demon, demon, who's got the demon? And, you know, the devil is in everything and every, under every bush and in every person. And, and, and I don't believe that that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, to give him that much credit. And I don't believe that a born-again, uh, spirit-filled Christian can be possessed by the demon. It's just not biblical. But having said all that, he's, he's active and he's alive. Somebody wrote a book, you know, that Satan is alive and well on planet Earth, right? Talked about that last week. He's a created being. He's, he's active. He's so, so he, was, he was saying to Jesus, now the Son of God, I'm going to give you all this. I'm, I'm going to give you all this if you'll just bow down and worship me. All this I will give you, he said. But when you think about all this, the truth of the matter is this, that, that, that the Scripture says that everything would be put under Jesus' feet, right? Everything would be put under his feet. In, in the book of Revelations, it says that the, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. In other words, there will come a time when He's going to rule and reign over it all, right? In a future sense. Now, He's still God. He's still, ultimately, He's still in charge, but, but you know, on the, the, the kingdom of this world and the, you know, the situation of this world, there, there will come a time when it will all be put under His feet, so, but, but this, the enemy is now saying, listen, if you just, just grab it now, just do it now, just get it now. In other words, he was tempting him to, to take a shortcut. Just go and get it now is what he was doing. This is what he wanted him to do. But the truth is that it had to be by way of what? By way of the cross. 
There's no shortcut. Give it. What's that noise? No shortcuts to the will of God, Warren Wiersbe said. No shortcuts to the will of God. You know what? I love shortcuts. I love to find the quickest and fastest way to get somewhere. And we're kind of been tempted and tested and, and to, to kind of take the short way, take the easy way. But it, there is no easy way, is there? There is no shortcuts in the, in the spiritual life. If someone comes along and this is, you know, they want to they promote the, the latest, you know, teaching, the latest pattern, the latest, you know, church growth principle, and we're going to take the shortcut and we're going to get there really fast, there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts in, in the plan of God. In this particular case, there was no shortcut other than the, the cross of Jesus Christ. What was going to bring the victory in the end was the cross and the triumph that he would, sh- that he would show upon the cross over the enemy, over the world, over death itself. It had to be by way of the cross. Another part of this temptation, of course, as well, is the temptation to power, and, and we know about power and corrupting. But look at this. It says there's a very big if in there is in there. What is, the, what, is the, what is the if? He says, all this I will give you if you, ball, you, you will fall down or you will bow down and worship me. He says, if. That's a pretty big cost, isn't it? Pretty big cost to get that shortcut. And yeah, we can find the shortcuts, but there's usually a pretty big cost, isn't there? Try to, try to do it without going the way of the cross. You hear this, and you th- I, th- I thought about this, you know, that it, is it true that some people have sold their souls to the devil for the things of this world? Is that true, or is that just like a saying? I think it's true. I think you can. You can sell your soul to the enemy, to the world. Sell out. But there's a big cost to it. It's a big cost, and it doesn't give you any peace inside. It doesn't give you any fulfillment. People have sold their souls for the things of this world. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve Him only. The first thing He does, though, He says, is get away from me. We see that, that he, he resists the enemy. He resists Him. He finally gets to the point here where He says, you know, get away from me. That's, you know, uh, this, this sense of, of resisting. And Peter said it. He said, resist the enemy. He says He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He says, resist Him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. A lot of people are facing it. You're not the only one. James said it as well. He said, resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. You know, there, we, we, we can't you know, underestimate the fact that, yeah, we, we do know the scripture. We do stand against him, but there's a, a sense we need to resist. We need to fight and say, no, go away. Get away from me. Not in my own name. In the name of Richard, get away from me. Enemy, temptation, test, whatever. That ain't going to work. But in the name of Jesus. Jesus said it because he was Jesus, right? He could say it. But you and I, we can't do it on our own. He says, away from me. We resist 
We resist. We need to fight. We need to fight. And then he quotes the scripture again. He says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, this idea of the fact that you can't go both directions. You can't, you know, have it all. You can't be in the world and in the faith. You can't try to do both, you know, have a a foot over here and a foot over there. Jesus said it himself in the book of Revelation, didn't he? Well, the, the book of Revelation says it to us. Not to be lukewarm, be either hot or cold. Verse 11, finally, it says this, Then the devil left him. Why? Because he resisted him. The devil left him, and angels came and attended him. The devil had to flee. And when we stand against him, not in our own strength, not in our own wisdom, but in the name and in our faith in Jesus Christ, trusting him, he, he, he must leave us. He must leave us alone. But the truth is that he'll be back. Luke says at the end of this, uh, the parallel passage, he says that when the devil finished all his, his tempting, this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. He left him until an opportune time. He's going to come back. He's, you know, it doesn't mean you fight this one battle and, and it's over. I've fought and I've resisted and, I, and I, you know, I, I'm following Jesus in this. So I'm never going to have to face that one again. Boy, I've, tried, I've done that many a times. So I'm not going to face that battle again. And then all of a sudden, you know, there it is again. Boy, I thought I learned this one. No, because the, the, the battlefronts are all still there. And until we're face to face with him, and I look forward to that day, until we're there, we need to fight. The battle is not over till it's over, until we're home. So until then, we need to fight. We need to be on guard and, and use the sword of the Spirit and resist, and we need to flee. One other thing I'm going to throw in here, this idea of fleeing. He resisted the devil. He told him to get away from him, right? But also in these battles we face, there's passages that say that we need to flee. You know what that means? Run. Run. Means run for your life. There's times and situations when the best things to, to do is to get out of there as fast as you can. Paul said it in Timothy flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. There are times when you know the best thing that, that you and I can do is put on our running shoes, and run as fast as we can to get out of there. Maybe we should not have been there in the first place. But maybe, you know, we're in a place that we normally are, we should be, and it's okay, but all of a sudden there's something that's facing us there, and and we know it's not looking real good here. The best thing, maybe, is to just get out of there as fast as you can. Get out of there as fast as you can. You remember the story about Joseph, right, in the book of Genesis? When Potiphar's wife came after him, what did he do? He got out of there as fast as he could. It got him in a little trouble because she lied about it and got him into trouble, but God still honored the fact that he he got out of there. And God raised him up when the time was right. God made it all right. He did the right thing. He got out of there. 
sometimes uh, uh, we need to also build in safeguards in our lives and and uh, in our in our situations. You know, uh, there's a guy that went to the doctor. He says, "Doc, I broke my arm in two places." And you know what the doctor said, right? Stay out of them places. You know, building safeguards into our lives, you know, in all kinds of things, you know. Not to, you know, knowingly, willingly put ourselves in situations where we could be tempted. I won't, you know, I don't go out and have lunch with women. I don't counsel with women. I don't... uh, uh, come here and hang around in the building when you know there's not other people around. If there's a, a woman here by herself, you know you try to do things that that uh, you know don't don't be foolish. You know the temptation is all around us. You know um, we, we have you know accountability with others. Uh, I think you know the internet is is uh, something I think we need to be very careful with, and and I think it's. In my personal opinion, I think it's foolish for us to not have some kind of protection, some kind of a safeguard. You say mostly men. I think it's men and women nowadays. To not have any kind of protection, I think, is a foolish thing, and you're opening yourself, you're, you're putting yourself in a position where the enemy could come and just slay you. I've seen people's lives uh, through pornography and uh, garbage, I, uh, the dark side of the internet, I've seen people's lives completely destroyed. I've seen it personally. I know what I'm talking about. It's foolish to think that we can just play with fire and not get burned. Mm-hmm. Read the Proverbs about that. This survey that uh, I mentioned earlier, not the one of, of no faith, but uh, about the different battlefronts that people face, it says that they, their temptations, they noted that their temptations were more potent when they had neglected their time with God, 81%. And when they were physically tired, 57%. And it said resisting temptation was accomplished by prayer, 84%. By avoiding compromising situations, 76%. By Bible study, 66%. And by being accountable to someone, 52%. Working together, looking for that way of escape, praying, watching out, fleeing at times, resisting. It's a real thing we face in this life, in this world, a world of flesh and the devil. But God is faithful, will he, is he not? Because he will provide the way of escape. And you know what? We're going to have communion now. Bob's going to come up and talk about it. We're going to sing uh, in a second here. But Ultimately, what I am so thankful for is that God is that God sent His Son, and that His Son didn't take the shortcut. The Son didn't fall in that in that situation. He said, "No, what? No." He took the path of the cross for you and for me, so that we would not be lost, so that we would have His strength in our lives. Says in Hebrews, this because he, that is Jesus, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He, because he went through these things that we've read about here, he's able to help us. We can't say, Jesus, no, you don't understand. You've never been here. You've never done that. No, no, no. He's been here and he's done it and he's faced it. So we can say, Jesus, you've got to help me. Please, please help me. Says in another passage in Hebrews, he says, We have. One who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet, was without sin. 
So let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He's here. He's there for you. He's there for me in those situations. He's faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. But when we are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that we can stand up under it. He's faithful. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus. But most of all, we thank you that he showed the way, he paved the way. He gave us an example of his love, of his strength, that we can rely on his strength, his love for us, his grace, his mercy in our time of need. And God, that you are faithful, you'll provide a way out. Lord, help give us eyes to see it. So many times we don't even want to look for it. We just, we're just not looking for the way out. But yet it's, your, your word says it's there, so we need to look for it. To fight the fight, the good fight. Father, I don't know what kinds of temptations, what kinds of testings each person here is facing, but, but you know. And you want us to trust you and hold on to you in it, Lord. Trust you. That's what you ask. And again, Lord, as we come to think about the cross, we pray and we are reminded that, that you went to the cross for us. You could have taken a lot of different paths, but you knew that was, that was the path, the only path that had hope for us, the cross. We love you for the cross. We thank you for the cross. Prepare our hearts even now to partake together and we come to you in Jesus' name. Amen.